Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast with Aaron Crowley. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, I am your host, usually. In fact, up until this point, I've always been the host of the Fab Lab Podcast, but today, my friend, Ed Young, fabricatorscoach.com, is sitting in guest hosting for me. You know, the, the power of uh, professional relationships, friendships, and the power of trust my goodness, what a blessing. Last week had a crazy week. In fact, it was so crazy. I was so overcommitted. Things were so out of control. The week came and went, and I simply could not pull off a podcast. Apologize for that. Sorry about that. But I know the last two episodes that we did do, my interview with Ed Young was so fantastic. The response was overwhelming. I know that that was continuing in terms of its impact and probably carry the day in the absence of my episode my lack of episode last week. Well, this week started off much the same way. Turns out it finished much the same way, but I was talking with Ed on a completely unrelated subject to the Fab Lab podcast, telling him what was going on. And then on Wednesday, I get this text. Hey, Aaron, I know you're having a crazy week. If it would be of help, I'd be happy to sit in and guest host for you. And I went, wow, <laughs> that is that is awesome. Because I I usually record my podcast on Wednesday, and it was Wednesday afternoon, and it was not looking like I was going to pull it off. What a blessing. So today, Ed Young sits in, guests host for me on the Fab Lab podcast, Sacred Cows Make Great Hamburger. So ladies and gentlemen, enjoy. Welcome, Fabricators. This is Ed Young, and I'll be your guest host for this episode of the Fab Lab podcast. This is uh, quite a daunting task, folks. I'm going to have to do my best and work really hard to uphold the high standards that Aaron has set for this podcast, and I'm certain that we all look forward to having him back very soon. My question for you today is, how many of you have a sacred cow in your company? And no, we haven't gone from countertop fabrication to agriculture. Uh, but uh, if you don't know that you've got a sacred cow in your company, you might want to go start sniffing around for that puppy, see if you can find him. Uh, just to give you a little bit of additional clarity on that, uh, the Hindus, of course, believe that cows are, they represent the divine, and therefore they should be protected and worshipped. So you don't harm them and you don't kill them. The American version of that is that we can have a person, an idea, a business practice, that's immune from question or criticism. So we don't question it, we don't harm it, certainly don't kill it. And so that's the kind of thing we're gonna talk about here for, for just a few minutes. Question is, is you know, what, what is the sacred cow in your business? Uh, here's some examples, some questions maybe to ask yourself. What are some assumptions about your business that you're not willing to question? What are some practices that you have in your business that you're not willing to change? Is there a customer that always moves to the front of the line or that you always sort of bow down to in a, in a way? Maybe you hold them to a, a different, usually lesser standard. <clears throat> is there a topic or person that maybe is above question? Need you to think long and hard about this one. It's a bit of a challenge. If you're not sure that you've got a sacred cow in your business, think about this deeply, be honest with yourself. And if you're still struggling and you can't find one, hopefully you don't have one. I've yet to find a business that didn't. Uh, hopefully you don't have one. Hopefully you don't have more than one. I've run across a few of those situations. But if you're struggling to answer this question, 
go find, you've probably got somebody in your circle, somebody either in your business or a spouse or a friend that kind of knows about your business. Somebody that you know that'll be really honest with you, even though that honesty might be a little uncomfortable. Go ask that person, get them to see if they can help you find the sacred cow. Now, why is this important? Why would we even bring up a topic like this on, on a podcast like this? And the reason is that if a business is not improving, then it's in the process of failing. It may be early in that process. It may be late in that process and be on a rapid decline. Um, but for your business to improve, it has to change. That's just fundamental. In order to do things better, you have to do things differently. I've done a lot of work with hundreds of companies uh, all over the country. The majority of those are what I call owner-operated companies. The business is run by the person that owns it. And that applies to the majority of countertop fabricators. And in these situations, 99 times out of 100, the primary roadblock to progress, to improving the business, to growing the business is a sacred cow. I walk into lots of situations where I can see that we have lots of potential, lots of upside, can get lots of good things done. And we'll make some progress for a while. And then we run into this sacred cow. And if we can't deal with the sacred cow, progress stops. It stops dead. <clears throat> so if you're struggling with improving your business, with improving profitability, performance, any aspect of your business, it could very well be that you've got a sacred cow that you either haven't identified or that you may deep down really know about but haven't dealt with. And that's what we want to talk about here a little bit. So let me give you a few examples of those. A really classic example of a sacred cow is a person. And in many cases, uh, that's a family member. I've had uh, clients where they've had their brother in the business, they've had their kids in the business, a spouse in the business. And what happens is you've got a person whose position in the business is assured by relationship or by blood and not by performance. Yet everybody else in the business is expected to perform. So now you got a double standard. What that does is that brings morale down for everybody else. And quite frankly, it undermines you, it makes you look bad. That has a really big, that starts creating a negative culture. And so that's a, that's a big significant issue. Sometimes this person is a longtime employee. Uh, Bob helped you start the business way back when it was just the two of you working in a garage and you had a pickup truck and you're making tops by hand. And you just, you know, Bob just didn't cutting it today and, and he's maybe grumbling and griping, but you're just, you know, Bob helped you get where you are. And so you hate to let Bob go or, or you hate to call Bob and, and, and get him to step up or challenge him. That's a pretty typical example. <clears throat> Sometimes it's a key technical employee. You know, Joe is the only one that knows how to run old Bessie, the old cantankerous, outdated, but still essential CNC machine that we've got. And if we ever lost Joe, we're not sure the business is gonna survive. That's a good example of a sacred cow. So we don't wanna make Joe mad because we gotta have Joe or the business is dead. Uh, and that's, that's uh, uh, not an uncommon scenario, unfortunately. Sometimes a sacred cow is an assumption about your business or an assumption about business in general. Things like, well, the low price always wins. Yeah, frequently it does win, but you also know that there are, way, there are times when you'll pay something better than the lowest price for something that you wanna buy 
because of other factors. And so we can challenge assumptions like that as well. Sometimes it's a business practice. Well, we never schedule template and install with the same phone call. That's always separate phone calls, sometimes weeks apart, uh, those types of things. So take some time, think through your business, dig deep. This will be uncomfortable if you haven't done this before and see if you can find that sacred cow because it's important to, to find it and deal with it. And we'll talk about how to deal with it in a minute. I've had scenarios where, uh, one specific scenario, I had a, a shop that was about a six or $7 million shop. Uh, and the client had a, a manager that was in charge of template and install. They had, uh, I think four different crews. Uh, this guy had lots of experience. He had been a cabinet maker. He was a craftsman. He was extremely technically capable. And on most days he was a really nice guy. The problem is early in his career, he figured out he could get better results by screaming, yelling and degrading people than trying to build them up. So you can imagine how he treated all the templars and installers he was responsible for. <clears throat> now he was a hard worker and he got out and he solved problems, did a good job for the company in that respect, but he could also be pretty belligerent to his bosses and that created issues. He was really good with most customers until they said the wrong thing and made him mad. And then things went downhill in a, in a quick way. Now that client happened to be in a rural area, it's really tough to find good technical people, good template install managers. And as we made progress in the business, we made some really good progress in the business. We finally got to the point we had to start looking at how, we, how they did templates and installs. This guy absolutely refused to do things differently. And that stalled the improvement that in, that stalled the change in this business with this client. And at that point, we're pretty well done because if the owner won't deal with the individual, if the individual refuses to change and the owner's not gonna make a change uh, to, to be effective, then, then you've gone as far as you can go. You've hit that roadblock. And, and some of you may find yourselves in a similar situation where a particular person is kind of stalling some things that you really need, know you need to get done in your business. Um, I've had several scenarios, with, as I mentioned earlier, with family in the business. I had one in particular where I think there were three or four kids in the business. And the, the problem was not that the kids weren't always working and, and trying to add value. They wanted the best for the business, certainly, but they didn't have any experience in any other companies. They grew up in the business. And so they hadn't had to live under someone else's direction and be accountable for their own performance their position, as I said earlier, was assured based on blood, not on performance. And so they had good days, bad days. If they came in late, uh, if they created problems in the business, um, then, then they weren't held accountable for that because they weren't a regular employee. Because their experience was so narrow, it wasn't broad. They hadn't been out and seen different ways of doing things like scheduling, sales, customer service, um, you know, delivering products to customers, running production, all the things that, that we all deal with every day, um, they, they just didn't have that experience. They just had a very narrow base of experience. And in this case in particular, you know, when, they, when they're not really held accountable for results and, and not held accountable for in, in the same way that regular employees are, they tend to not be as professional. They haven't had to answer to anybody else, so they just do what they want to do in, in a lot of cases. And so that creates a lot of big challenges. And we, we fortunately had a really good strong manager with this client. 
that was not a family member that was able to work around that. But then at some point, we still kind of hit a wall. We couldn't go much further because we had three or four people in three or four key positions that just had a different idea about how to do things. And they didn't want to hear anything from anybody else. They thought they had all the answers. So that's that kind of thing can run, you can run into as well. A couple other quick examples. Um, I've had clients that were just too loyal to their employees. That's kind of the, you know, Bob who helped you build the business, but have employees that have been around a long time. They, they show up every day for work, but they've got some, some critical specific shortcomings that are causing problems in the business. Had one uh, in a different type of a client, wasn't a fabrication client, where the, uh, the client had a safety person who worked hard, had the best intentions, but this safety person had some really big experience gaps and didn't understand the difference between some legal requirements and some company company preferences and the way they handled problems is they refused to deal with people. They were always go to management and play quote tattletale. And it was somebody who'd been around a long time who had a good spot somewhere else in the business. But again, that was somebody that they were just a little too loyal to and refused to kind of deal with. Uh, I've had, especially in this industry, I've had clients that needed to hire key positions and their, their sacred cow was the assumption that they always had to hire people who had fabrication industry experience. Uh, the thing I always challenge them with is none of us were born knowing how to fabricate tops. We all had to learn it at some point. I've got a friend of mine that says, hey, nobody, I didn't know my name was Jason until somebody told me. You know, we all have to be trained. And sometimes in many cases, you're better off going out and finding a good, in the case of maybe a shop manager, a good production manager from another industry who's got really good management skills and bringing that person in and, and help train them in the technical aspects of your business. Yeah, that's a bit big to, to bite off sometimes if you're a smaller shop, but it's certainly worth considering. And there's some good ways to make that happen. So we've talked about what sacred cows are and the problems they cause. Now, how do we deal with these bovine creatures here? So how do you deal with these sacred cows? Um, they're, they're, I'll give you the classic consulting answer. It depends. <laughs> it depends on the nature of the of the issue or the person, the individual, depends on the nature of your business and where you are in your business. And I'll give you a few examples. I've done a few turnarounds and, and a good example of, of a good definition of a turnaround is a company that's on a downhill slide. And if you don't get some fundamental things fixed in about the next six months or so, we've got to start doing layoffs and the company may not survive. That's a pretty intense scenario. And in those cases, you have to really motivate people. People have to really understand what's at risk and you have to drive a really strong, rapid, intense change in culture. Um, sacred cows can be the death of that type of change. Uh, the interesting thing about sacred cows is they tend to kind of offer themselves up because they like to bow up, stand up and pound their chest sometimes. I found that when you've got a really intense situation like that, and hopefully none of you are in this scenario, but if you are, sometimes the best motivation Go back to the French Inquisition. You want to drive a quick culture change? Have a public execution. I don't mean that you degrade a person or you embarrass a person, but when you take an individual out that's the barrier in a, in a, to improving a situation that's dire, uh, then everybody sees that no matter how you do it. They see that. They know it. They know now this is for real. There are consequences. It's time to either get on board or go somewhere else. So if you're in that situation, you don't have many options. You really just have to take that person out. Hopefully you're not there, 
But if you're in a business that, that needs to change, needs to improve some aspect, and you've got maybe a person who is in the way that's, that's um, the barrier to that, then you need to put together a game plan. Uh, you need to start off with setting expectations, counseling that person, making sure they've got good feedback, making sure they're being led properly. Um, you need to then put together a, you need, if you don't already have one, you need to have a good, consistent, progressive discipline policy where you've got so many verbal warnings that are documented, then you start doing written warnings. And at some point that person changes their work address. If it comes to that, hopefully it doesn't, but many times, unfortunately it does. The key is put together a game plan for how you're going to handle this. Document, 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 so you don't run into legal issues, labor, labor department issues, that sort of thing. And if this person is like uh, Joe, who runs the cantankerous old Bessie CNC that you've got to have, and you just you're not sure anybody else knows how to run it, well, take some time before you start this process and figure out what's involved in running old Bessie. Find somebody else in the company who may have some experience. Go find somebody on the market that maybe understands CNCs pretty well. Maybe there's an instructor at a local community college that can come in after hours, look at this machine, help you figure some things out. <clears throat> maybe there's, if it's a maybe an older model of Park Industries machine or something like that, you can go to Park maybe and get some help from those folks. But find a way to backfill that critical technical need if that's your reservation for taking Joe out, for example. Um, or if you're worried that if you start to put some pressure on Joe and set those expectations and give him this feedback and start writing him up, Joe may get mad and leave. Okay, your intention isn't necessarily to get rid of him, but you, you do have to have better performance. You need to have a good backfill plan, put this together and, and work hard on planning for what this is like. If your sacred cow happens to be an assumption about your business, if it happens to be a business practice, some of the other things that we talked about, you need to sit down and, and look deep inside your heart, deep inside your soul, really examine why you hold those beliefs. Uh, if you need help with that, there are a number of people out there. Some of you are in some of these really good um, fabricator organizations, Slab Fabbers, Artisan Group, Rockheads, uh, and I think there are a couple others that are out there. You've got some good peers you can go talk to, people you can benchmark with. Being an owner-operator is a lonely experience. You don't really have a lot of folks you can talk to. Uh, but uh, reach out to people that you know in the industry, talk to them, use them as a sounding board, get some ideas, get them to help you challenge some of these, these deeply held beliefs or practices, get them to help you talk through options for how to change those and, and make them better. Because as Aaron has talked about in previous podcasts, your business is a, is a vehicle, and it's a vehicle to help you get to where you want to go. And if you've got a sacred cow that's either an individual or a, an assumption or a practice that's keeping you from making those improvements in your, in, this, in your business, then you're going to struggle to get to where you want to go. This business is a vehicle to help you get where you want to go, whether it's to hit that end game of going out and play the great golf courses of the world or travel around and see some of the seven wonders of the world or whatever that is realize that this sacred cow is keeping you from getting there. And so I challenge you to visualize this end game for your business, this exit strategy for your business, begin with the end in mind, as Covey says. And then once you've done that and you're, you're motivated and you say, I really, really want to, that's a goal I've got set, that's something I really want to achieve, then start visualizing taking the actions that you need to get there. And that means 
you may go out and fire up the grill and have some mighty tasty hamburgers because sacred cows make the best hamburgers. Folks, thank you. Hope this has been beneficial for you. If you've got any questions, got any comments, please email me at ed at fabricatorscoach.com or reach out to Aaron. Uh, and until next time, happy fabricating. Wow, fantastic podcast episode, ladies and gentlemen. I am so pleased. You know, it is just so cool to work in an industry, a small industry like this, where friendships and professional relationships can develop on this level so that uh, when a fabricator's down, another friend can step in and help him out. And so today, Ed Young helped me out, and he helped you out as well with this awesome podcast. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't sent him a note, if you haven't checked out fabricatorscoach.com, you need to do so. You can send him an email, ed at fabricatorscoach.com. Let him know how much you enjoyed the podcast. Let him know how much you enjoyed the episode. And I'll look forward to being with you next time on the Fab Lab Podcast. Until then, happy fabricating.